I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Sit, boo-boo, sit, boo-boo, sit. Girl, I do Some bad hat, Harry. It's a cool show. Not a doctor. Bye, have a good look from your life. Hello and welcome to Hunting Seasons, the podcast that dares to binge watch, deep dive and break down a season of television each and every episode. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Damask Leary. And today we'll be discussing Our Flag Means Death Season 1. Damask Leary, how are you doing? Good. Um, yeah, so still on school holidays at the moment, so I've just been playing Minecraft, um, building a giant castle in my brother's realm, <laughs> and watching uh, Vintage good, Real Housewives. Good sister of you to do some construction work for him. That's mm. nice. Um, uh, for those who enjoyed us being in the same room again, that's done, probably for the only time we'll do it this year. Maybe, maybe we'll get one more chance later in the year. Who knows? Who knows? But we're back to doing this from across the interweb. So with all the uh, delays and stuff that come with that. Sorry about that. Also, my dog's in the room currently. And if you hear the sound of like buzz saws and stuff, there's construction going on around me here. So, you know, just perfect podcasting conditions <laughs> at the moment. Um, have you been enjoying your holidays? You've, uh, you go back to work on Tuesday, don't you? Yes. Yes, yeah. I do. Um, I have been enjoying my holidays. It's um, I've, I'm starting to get that go back to work dread yeah. sinking in every day. Um, and I've got some prep to do that I've been procrastinating about. So I'm happy to be doing this. So I'm not doing that. I was back to work yesterday after my two week break and it was... Uh, it was not, it wasn't bad. It was mm. fine, but yeah, you're like, oh right, I'm back to my normal life now. Mm-hmm. This is a shame. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed just being able to travel the other side of the country and go swimming and beaches and see marsupials and stuff. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Mm. Thankfully, I've got another holidays in July, so I don't have to wait too oh, yeah. long. Which this is, is why nice. it does tempt me sometimes to become a teacher. I understand <laughs> it's not an easy job, but fuck, holidays four times a year sounds pretty. Good. It does kind of help balance out the how hard it is with being able to have a break. (laughs) When you know you've got that coming up. Yeah. Anyway, let's get to our spoiler-free review of Our Flag Means Death Season 1. Let me clue you in. Season in review. Our Flag Means Death is an HBO Max period comedy series loosely based on the true story of Steed Bonnet, an 18th century aristocrat who abandoned his comfortable existence for a life of piracy and eventually crossed paths with the notorious pirate captain Blackbeard. Created by David Jenkins and executive produced by Taika Waititi, who also directed the pilot, the show stars Reese Darby, Taika Waititi, Samson Kao, Vico Oritz, Nathan Fode, Joel Fry, Con O'Neill, Ewan Bremner, Christian Nairn, Matthew Mayer, Rory Kinnear, Nat Faxon, Samba Shutay, Dave Fan, and Guz Khan, not to mention a whole bunch of guest stars best left as surprises. Premiering on March 3rd, 2022, Our Flag Means Death Season 1 consists of 10 episodes, each coming in at around 29 minutes, and took us approximately 4 hours and 45 minutes to watch. As of this recording, Our Flag Means Death has not been renewed for a second season. So, Damas, before we get to our spoiler-free review... Mm-hmm. The obvious question to ask here, the leading question would be, how do you feel about uh, like pirate shows? But since we already did that when we talked about Black Sails Season 1, the last pirate mm. show we, uh, we reviewed, mm-hmm. I wanted to ask, and even though he isn't the key creative force behind the show, are you a fan of Taika Waititi? How familiar with Taika's work? Um, I mean, I've always been aware of his work. Um, what was it? It was... Boy and um, Hunt for the Wilder People, two of which I haven't actually seen. Yeah, I haven't seen Boy yet, yeah. I've seen, obviously, Thor Ragnarok, uh, What We Do in the Shadows, both the film and the series. Uh, Is it called Paranormal Wellington? I've watched Mm -hmm. as well. Um, So I've definitely seen some of his work. I've always enjoyed his um, sense of humour. I think it it really does tickle me quite a lot. Um, Yeah, so I'm, I'm a big fan of... Both his work and he seems like a 
cute dude, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, similar. I haven't seen Boy, but a big fan of A Hunt for the Wilder People. Um, Thor Ragnarok was great. Jojo Rabbit I really liked. Oh, yeah, um, that's right. I forgot about that one. Uh, he did also an episode or two. I think he did the finale of The Mandalorian Season 1, which was great. He also played the voice of the IG bot in that series as well in Season 1 of The Mandalorian. Um, whenever he shows up, it seems to be attached to something cool. I haven't seen Free Guy, actually, which he plays oh, the I build have. in that. Yes, that's um, right. But mm-hmm. no, he's not like a creative behind mm-hmm. it. And, and as I said in this... He isn't the key creative force behind this. Um, David Jenkins is, but I'm not familiar with David Jenkins' work. I do think that Tyker's connection to this was a draw for a lot of people. And certainly, he seems to be a big champion of this show. Um, well, the weird thing is, I didn't even know he was in it. Oh, is it really? A spoiler to say he was in it? I don't no, know. I, I mean, have no idea. Whereas I love Reese Darby. I, I just think he's totally. very, very funny. And obviously, he has his shtick. Mm-hmm. But it works every time he does it with me. Um, yeah, so that's kind of that was my draw, and obviously I was a big fan of what we do in the shadows, and the trailer kind of had a similar vibe to me. The thing was, you had been told that Taika was in this show, you just forgot. We went over it. We multiple oh, really? times, in fact, during <laughs> Classic me. When, when we were doing um, off topic, hot topic, still mm. the. It was a news thing we talked about a couple of times about this oh, tiger. We talked about it a couple of times. A couple Far of times out. it came up. Our flags mean, means death was getting I a need green a brain light. Scan. It was going to be based on this uh, this gentleman pirate story and all et cetera, et cetera. And he Are you was serious? Cast, and he was cast as Blackbeard. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh we definitely my, talked oh, about that's it. That's really worrying. Not I'm necessarily really at length, but yes, it, it definitely came up along the way, Ooh, which is boy. why it was on my radar. And mm. then um, and once it was out and people were talking about it, we obviously had to review it. It's so, so funny. I was like, this show has come out of nowhere, <laughs> Angela. We should watch it. No, it, wow. definitely, it definitely came out somewhere. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, with that in mind, Damask, would you like to give your spoiler-free review of Our Flag Means Death Season 1, please? Why not? I'm here. Okay. (laughs) Our Flag Means Death is a show with a silly sense of humour that we've come to expect from this team. It waxes and wanes throughout its 10 episodes. As it moves further into the series, we're given more time to understand the motivation of Steed, who's played by Reese Darby, our main character, and his crew. As it does this, the show moves from a charming concept to something deeper, more intriguing, and a little heartbreaking. While you might come into the show thinking that it'll be an ensemble comedy in the vein of what we do in The Shadows, it's not really that, although I think the show gets a little confused early on where its real worth lies. I think it wants to be this strong ensemble comedy, but I don't really think it is. Uh, Not every character is given as much care as Steed, and so it can feel a little unbalanced at times, and that was certainly uh, my perception of it during the, the first few, if not the first half of the season. Uh, Reese Darby is so wonderful. Um, it can be, I think, a little hard to compete with that in terms of the other characters and actors on screen. This show is an endearing tale of Steed Bonnet, a middle-aged man's coming-of-age story. Every ridiculous circumstance is met with wide-eyed wonder. Watching this show is a perfectly delightful way to spend your evenings you know, and I, I was enjoying it well enough, amused by its delightful and lovable sense of humour. It wasn't until maybe the last half of the show, that perhaps maybe the last third actually, that the show opens up its heart. And oh boy, is it tender and makes you want to grab its cheeks and kiss its cute little forehead and hug it forever. The friendship that develops between Steed and Blackbeard is the absolute heart of the show. You know, I found it amusing enough, but it's the big that it is that big bleeding heart at the center of the show that made me grow to love it. You know, it's a wacky tale that feels unique. It doesn't take the subject matter too seriously at all. However, it does recognize the importance of the relationships it builds throughout the season. You know, you care about Steed and his new friendship because the show cares, and that's really where its value lies. So yeah, I had a really good time watching it. Yeah. I, uh, I think my review is very much in line with yours. I think the best way to review Our Flag Means Death Season 1 is for me to sort of discuss my experience of watching through the season. Because mm. for a while, I was having a not unpleasant but not particularly amazing time with the show. It wasn't bad by any means, but it was kind of just okay. Not laugh out loud funny, but pleasant enough. Not a slog, but not necessarily particularly compelling. 
At this stage, it was hard to understand what all the fuss was about because there definitely was traction building online at this show. And I wasn't watching it week by week. Mm. I sort of started to watch it almost as the whole thing was out, basically, and caught up towards the end. But there was a lot of... Uh, there was a lot of uh, momentum online, you might say, about this show. Um, I also want to say, or maybe this is being a little bit picky, but I also think the show is kind of ugly at times. I don't think it's necessarily a great-looking show. Mm-hmm. It was filmed, particularly stuff were on the deck of The Revenge, the Steed Bonnet ship. It's filmed using the same stagecraft technology that The Mandalorian pioneered, which is where they're sort of surrounded by these big LED screens that project a background and then actually provide some sort of like lighting, which is meant to be natural. And it's that technology, I think, has been very hit and miss. I think The Mandalorian has mostly done a good job with it. And at some stages, it hasn't done a good job with it. And for the most time, I thought those scenes on the deck of the ship didn't look great. Now, this is not a show that's going for ultra-realism, but it would have been nice to feel like they were ever actually at sea and not just playing like Pirates of Penzance on the community theatre stage. But I think maybe I didn't that's mind. Yeah, I didn't mind that part of it because I guess like other than, you know, when Pirates of the Caribbean came out and stuff, the only pirate films I'd ever watched were like those really old ones like Sunday afternoon movies. Sure. You know what I mean? So like... Get, getting that vibe from it, it, it didn't bother me because that's kind of just how I expect pirate shows or movies to look. But I totally understand what you're saying. The thing is, I think about those like Sunday afternoon, I guess, 60s, 70s pirate movies, right? Mm. And they were likely, fi- I think they were actually filmed outside a lot of the time. They were filmed on a on a ship that was probably docked like right next to land, but you film mm. it in a way where you can see the water behind them and, it's, and you're actually outside. And so it has that sense of like naturalness to it. Whereas this doesn't have that. But then again, you'd be like, you'd be inside uh, Steed's quarters and it's like a beautiful set. I'm like, oh, I like being in here. Mm. Or when they go on land and they're not necessarily the most complex sets, but they're practical and real and it felt like a place all of a sudden. It's really picky. It's not an important <laughs> thing. But I just wanted to point out, I was like, eh, this technology, as useful as it can be, also kind of looks flat and boring a lot of times too. But anyway, uh, anyway, as the show proceeded and after finding it maybe just okay but not great, it sort of started to pull off this slow motion magic trick on me. Episode by episode, I became more invested, not in every character or every storyline. And there are a lot of characters because this is a crew of pirates and there's a lot Mm. of characters around. But the main and most important aspects of the show, particularly Steed and Blackbeard, started to hit. It unfolded before me as the season continued. And before I knew it, I was quite enchanted by the show. (laughs) By season's end, I looked back at where we had, how we got to where we were and where we'd come from. And understand that while slow out of the blocks, the show always knew where it was going and how it was going to get there. Now, if this all seems a little bit vague, that's on purpose. Part of the spell was that what made the show special wasn't advertised from the start, although I did know Blackbeard was going to be in it. (laughs) It wasn't the show that was sold. So if you don't want to know in advance, and this is a spoiler-free review, then you'll just have to trust me on this. Our Flag Means Death Season 1 is a charming and slightly magical, if not but if by no means perfect, first season that I strongly recommend everyone watches. If you're not hooked right away like I wasn't, don't worry, stick with it. You'll get there and it won't take too long and it'll be worth your time. The big thing is I need people to watch this show as well because by the end of the season, I was dying for a season two yeah. and currently there is no announcement there's going to be one, which is a little bit concerning because it seems to be doing gangbusters, both numbers-wise of the people watching and the amount of like attention and interaction it's getting. Like people are talking about it, our flag means death. There is like fan art and these sorts of things going on, which is always a strong sign of like a, um, a an audience there. And, mm. Everybody involved seems to be a bit like, yeah, we're waiting to find out there's going to be a season two and no one seems to know for sure. And it's a little weird. This is very Netflix of you, HBO Max. See, I, what the fuck? I wouldn't naturally be worried because it does seem to have like, you know, people have had like a pretty positive, strong reaction to it. Um, but the fact that all the creatives, well, not all, but many of the creatives behind it are like, we're waiting, makes me go, are they not getting like positive vibes from hbo like yeah it feels like they might be cancelled before there's any kind of cancelling announcement it's it's yeah this push for season two 
makes me worried that they're not going to get a season two because it's so early. Um, but yeah, I'm 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 worried. I I wonder whether they're playing hard to get a little bit. Maybe they know that like the creatives and and Tyka, who's a who's a, a commodity at the moment, really mm. wants this. And they're like, okay, we'll make you a season two if you make us a movie. It's mm. like use that leverage in some way. This is his passion project. A lot of people's passion projects. And when you've got this guy on the hook, maybe you can try and get something else out of him. Um, yeah, need a season two. What would you score this out of five stars, Damask? Well, can I just say, um, your description of the process of watching it was perfection. I had the exact <laughs> same experience. Like that slow enchantment of, yeah, which makes it the scoring of it really hard. I agree. Be- because um, early on, I was like, this is a cute, fun show. Am I in love with it? No, I'm not. Mm. But like, I'm having a little giggle here. I'm really enjoying the charms of Reese Darby in every scene. Mm-hmm. The concept is silly. Uh, it's not taking itself too seriously, but it's not a great show at all. Um, and then, yeah, the engagement, the investment grows to such a level by the end. I'm mm. like, I, yeah, like you said, I fucking need season two. <laughs> I'm so like, ah, oh, just it, the level of like how endeared I was to it by the end um, was kind of shocking from where I where I started. So I th- I can't because of the love I have I cannot give it a three point five. It's got to be yeah. a four. I'm exactly it's be the a same four. boat. I'm exactly the same boat. I'm giving it a four as well, mm. and I would argue it's a lowish four because mm-hmm. because there are elements that just aren't nearly as enchanting as yes. as the main story, the main focus. Mm. Um, and there is a not insignificant amount of time spent on other characters and other storylines that I don't care about as much. Not that they're terrible, but just mm. that don't quite grab me the way that the, the crux, the core of the show does. But the main thrust of the show, the heart of the show, you might say, is so good that it elevates all of it. It was I was when I was initially writing the review, I was, I was having a hard time last night putting it together in my head. I actually had to go to sleep and start again this morning. Mm. And I was it was almost like it's not like it's greater than the sum of its parts. It's equal to the its greatest part and mm. everything else is like not irrelevant but like doesn't come into the equation I calculate what the show is worth. <laughs> yeah. So for that reason I'm giving it a 4 out of 5 as well. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Before we splish splash into the high seas of spoilers, we'd like to ask everyone who enjoys the show to please review us on Apple Podcasts and or Spotify. Nothing helps a show to grow more than by throwing five stars or a glowing review our way. And to sweeten the deal, if we reach 25 written reviews on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, we will finally review Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 1. We'd also love you to share hunting scenes with anyone you know who is just as obsessed with TV as us. Shove this in their face and it will make them super happy. That's a money back guarantee. In two weeks, we'll be back with our review of Russian Doll Season 2. If you'd like to contribute to our discussion of Russian Doll, if you have any thoughts on Our Flag Means Death, you can write to us or send us an audio recording that we may include on a future episode to contact at huntingseasonpodcast.com or find us on Twitter at huntingscast. But right now, let's talk spoilers for Our Flag Means Death Season 1. Deep dive. It's cool to know other people think about this stuff too. 
I don't know about you. I don't know how much I really have to say overall. I didn't take <laughs> a whole lot of notes along the way. No, I, no, I didn't take is... any because it was before we decided to review it. Sure, um, sure. So I just went back literally this morning and like skimmed over each episode. But then okay. as the season went on, I'd be watching more and more, <laughs> you know, the the scenes that really hook you in. Yeah. Um, and then so I've got a few notes, but yeah, nothing extensive. I, I think that's partly because... Especially early on, there was I had slightly more as the season went on, as we said, mm. but like early on, it was neither high nor low. So mm-hmm. it's like it's hard to take a note of this is fine. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. this is fine. This is fine. Mm-hmm. However, we've been tiptoeing around it. So let's talk about it. Okay. The Steed and Blackbeard romance. Oh my god. Mm-mm. I think the first question is, why does it work and why is it so enchanting? And why is the internet a fire about this little <laughs> romance? Um, I th- well, for one, I think um, tough guy loves soft guy is always like a cute, cute dynamic. Even well, just, I mean, yes, that's definitely. I was also thinking just in this morning as well. It's like who doesn't love just like the whether it's tough guy, a uh, soft guy, or. Just the bad boy and the yep. you know whoever. Like the I was square. thinking, everyone yeah. wants Katara classic... and Zuko to get together, even though that yeah. never happened in the show. Of course, you fucking do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember the first ever fan fiction I ever read, and what got me into fan fiction was Draco and Hermione. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's yes, just exactly. It's exactly. a classic, yeah, um, dynamic. One that is particularly popular in yeah things like fan fiction, particularly queer fan fiction as well. Um, I think everyone just loves that story. Yeah. Um, in terms of why does it work so well? Well, I'll speak to my experience of it. I remember as we were watching it, Andrew and I saying to one another, oh, it's really cute um, how kind of loving and sweet this development of male friendship is. I was just just generally engaged sure. on that level. I'm like, this is adorable. They're kind of um, speaking to like – male like softness and vulnerability and just the, the the innate sweetness between them um was just really fun to watch you know was a part of me like oh you know it when the <laughs> homoeroticism of male friendships is played for laughs um, sure. can sometimes be uncomfortable I was like they're kind of doing that, but it seems so good natured that it didn't bother me. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like it seemed to be kind of a love letter to male friendship that I was just invested in this. Yeah, the bad boy is best friends with the the nerdy boy, um, or the the drama nerd, or whatever he might be. Um, so then, when the sub, what I thought was subtext and traditionally is subtext, yeah. became text. I was like, oh my god! <laughs> I didn't even when um there was a scene where. Uh, Steed, it's actually one of my favourite moments, Steed and Blackbeard are going on their adventure because yeah. Steed wants to keep him interested. Fuck, it's so cute. Um, and they're just like talking and Steed t- plucks a crumb from Blackbeard's beard and Lucius is like, oh, my God, it's happening. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. just thought, I was like, oh, that's like kind of acknowledging the queer audience watching, yeah. but doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to happen, but that's like what we want from it. Um, so then to go there, I was like, oh, shit. I really honestly didn't expect it to happen. I'd, I, I, that was the moment for me. I know, it's funny. I did have some awareness something like this was happening in the show because the internet mm. just couldn't like keep it a secret, right? It, was, right? it wanted to celebrate and that's fair enough. Yeah. But it was definitely that moment, the exact moment with Lucia saying, oh my mm-hmm. God, this is happening, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, yeah, I can see how this, why this was so enchanting because mm-hmm. normally this does remain subtext and it naturally flowed to become text. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, the bad boy and the drama nerd or whatever... Or soft boy thing is just adorable. Yeah. I think it's I, I, I think that what's magical about it and the reason I talk about being a magic trick and you look back, and even the show is not subtle about it, when Steed is talking with Mary in the last episode and he asks her about what it's like to be in love and she explains it's like, well, it's you know, it's just easy, it's like breathing, you um you 
sort of expose each other to new things and you just laugh lots and like all this sort of stuff. I think mm. that's love. And then there's like, they actually show you these little moments from yeah. all the episodes together. And you're like, oh, fuck, man, they really did. <laughs> they pulled this off so well and built up to yeah. this moment and summed it up so perfectly in the realisation mm. for Steed in particular, but even Blackbeard in his own way. And what they, 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 they do love each other, but then also, I guess just the, the, the way they do sort of share e- the best parts of each other with each other throughout mm-hmm. the whole season, whether it's Steed uh, teaching Blackbeard that he doesn't need to be a cutthroat part that, well, also that just they're both sort of trapped in their own, in their own worlds mm. that they envy each other. Like all it just. It's so powerful thematically and it's so easy mm. to see what there's attractive about each other to each other. Yes. Um, and then the ending is so fucking heartbreaking and perfect as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think the ability to be um, honest with one another is something that, like, neither of them have really experienced before and to watch that, yeah, slowly kind of unfurl, um, yeah, is, we've used the term many times, like, magical, um, oh, yeah, it felt like that the giddy feeling I used to feel reading fan fiction of sure. like, oh, my God, this is – because it's always like friendship turns turns to love. Um, but, yeah, I, I loved the fact that, of course, this story of pirating, piracy, mm-hmm. um, where, you know, a bunch of dudes go out in the high seas – is going to have, like, dudes falling in love with each other. I think what was – it was the subversion of uh, my expectations that I really enjoyed. The fact that I had kind of, like, eh, like, they're, like, winking at me, the audience, but not going to go there because that is generally my expectation. Though, as time goes by, perhaps my expectations will change, Um, you know, the more that kind of we get to see these stories. But, yeah, it was so beautiful and tender. And the heartbreak at the end, that real mm. twist of the knife, is what makes you desperately need that season two. Because we've spent, you know, all of season one, you know, enjoying them as characters, mm-hmm. watching a really adorable friendship blossom between two very, very different people, but also very similar mm-hmm. people as well. Um, and then to separate them in the way that they did. Oh, boy, was that, that was a gut punch. To separate them to, the, to for Steed to, to, to leave Ed behind mm. was the heartbreak. Oh, yes. The, the realisation for Steed, the watching Ed would become Blackbeard again to mm. revert to his, the worst version of himself, the mm-hmm. one that he was bored of, if not hated in himself because... It was just the easiest thing to do. It's that protective mechanism. It's that that version. Of, yeah, that that uh, masquerade or whatever you, that mask he can put up, whatever it mm-hmm. is. But he's also potentially killed Lucius and went to <laughs> kill. Oh my all god! The on the revenge, I don't think Lucius will be dead. I certainly hope not. I, I really want Lucius ho- to make a return. That would be like yeah for me. Like that was. Yeah, pretty, like, unforgivable, I guess. You know what I mean? So, I'm hoping that he is actually alive, considering, you know, Lucy's um, part in the development of their relationship was actually super, super vital. Um, You know, he's the one who gets Blackbeard to understand that Steed really likes him and that he should be kinder to Steed. Yeah. Also, when they have their little tiff and separate, they have their trial separation, um, when the ex comes to town, you know, Lucius is the one who's like, I'm really good at heartbreaks. Like, he's able to recognise the relationship before they do. Um, So, yeah, he's, he's vital to the development of their relationship and to have him... Seemingly murdered by Blackbeard is yeah. like is a pretty big moment, but yeah, I would be surprised if he was genuinely dead. I feel like it would be it would be a bigger deal in the moment. It was like shocking, but it also would have been maybe a bigger deal that realization by the other. I, I don't know. I just don't buy that he's actually gone, and in such a way where you know, if if Lucius would have come back in episode three or four next season, he'd be like, oh yeah, 
cool. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That would that would that would that would fit pretty well. Um, yeah, it's it's in trying to get the facts and figures section ready for this review. Mm. Going on Wikipedia and just basically whole cloth stealing a lot of that for my section at the start. The it was um, described as a romantic comedy, which I didn't want to include in the description because I don't yeah, no. think. Um, I don't. I think that is a bit of a, a spoiler. Um, oh, I hundred percent agree. That's however, part of the joy of the show is discovering that. However, it is such an apt description, and we just recently in our private movie club watched when Harry met Sally. And we're talking a lot about mm. romantic comedies, mm. and this is a very good example of like a modern mm-hmm. day rom com. Yeah, and we're really at the stage in this story, and obviously, if they want to continue this for more seasons, it can't quite go this way. But we're right at that part in the romantic comedy now where they have that misunderstanding and they <laughs> separate, yes. and they have to like. You know, Absolutely. come back together and reconcile and realise they truly love each other and need to be together forever. <laughs> yeah, it really is the moment when, like, Harry and Sally have sex and yes. then there's, like, miscommunication and then they're, like, both, well, I, I guess in this um, Blackbeard is Sally because he's heartbroken. <laughs> I think you're right. But, yeah, um, it, yeah, it is a really great version of a rom-com because, yes, in our private movie club we were talking about if when Harry Met Sally is filled with the stereotypes or archetypes of um, the kind of critical male and the kind of um, overzealous A-type woman who needs mm-hmm. to like, you know, loosen up or whatever. The beauty with When Harry Met Sally is that it's not about just these kind of um, two-dimensional things, uh, traits coming up, butting up against each other. It's, the movie is all about the conversations they have with one another and the deepening mm-hmm. of that relationship and the building of a genuine friendship. And that's what this show does as well. It's yes, we can talk about, you know, the bad boy and the soft boy or whatever it is, but what we really fall in love with is not, yeah, like I said, those traits butting up against each other. It's actually like the understanding of like the similarities and like they have the same kind of, yeah, interests or curiosity about mm-hmm. the world and I think what I really enjoyed is watching Blackbeard, whose curiosity, when we first meet him, has, you know, been taken from him from a lot, through a life of violence and he's seen everything and done everything. You know, we have that scene when he's talking to his first mate about, he's like, well, dying, I have, that's the one thing I haven't done. Like, mm-hmm. he's clearly very depressed. Um, but then he sees Steed's curiosity of the world and wonder that he's, you know, that he sees the world through we kind of see that like that is who Blackbeard is and probably was at the beginning as well. Um, yeah, it really is the perfect rom-com. <laughs> I'm obsessed with it. I, I do love the setting as well. Like you were saying, the mm. it, it's a natural thing that's going to happen. You know, mm. bunch of yes. men at sea for a long time. It's going to happen. People mm-hmm. are going to have romantic intertwinements at the very least, if not fall in love. And the... I also think I just like it because I guess pirating is sort of like... It's funny they were talking about um, Power of the Dog, whatever that movie is, and um, Sam... Oh, I can't remember that. Cowboy guy from The Big Lebowski. Oh, yeah, yeah. Was saying like... He was critical of the idea of like cowboys being gay, essentially, back in the day. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like pirates have sort of got that macho, manly stereotype as well and yet if you think about it a there are a bunch of misfits who don't fit within society they are already pushing against the rules and the mm. norms by being pirates yeah but b, none of them are marrying mary down the street you know what exactly. i mean exactly like, <laughs> yeah yeah but b they're also stranded at sea together for extended periods of time mm-hmm. it just makes fucking sense and it's, and it's almost funny that we haven't seen more of that Mm. And I like that this show is like, let's be real for a second. We might romanticize pirates as being like swashbuckling adventurers who are all, you know, super manly and love to, you know, save damsels and stuff. And let's be honest too, pirates probably also raping women and stuff like that. So that's a whole different thing. But, mm. you know, as if there wasn't going to be. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> it reminds me of that kind of classic joke of you know you've got like a female writer or poet or whatever and historians always like and she lived with her best friend for 15 years none (laughs) of them never married and you read Mm. the poems they wrote like "Mm, they were queer my friends Um, it's just like like you know that kind of washing over 
queerness throughout history. Of course, when you have people of the same sex and only the same sex, whether it's like, you know, just simply carnal, you know, wanting sexual release, things are going to happen. But also, yeah, romantic relationships probably formed, at least like emotionally intimate relationships probably formed. Um, And to think that they didn't is very naive. Agreed. Uh, What about the rest of the show? (laughs) Yes. Okay. So, we do have to talk about that. (laughs) Um, Because there's a lot... There is a, like a lot of other characters going on around it, and there are a couple of storylines that sort of run in parallel to some degree. Yeah. Yes. Um, the I think the main one, um, the one that gets this, you know, the not it's certainly not as much, but there is a focus on the story of Jim and Olawande. Um, yeah. I, re- I really didn't find it very compelling or interesting. Yeah, I, agree. Um, I think I, I really because I was getting so much. Um, one, there was lots of jokes when Steed and Blackbeard were just conversing. Mm-hmm. Um, but so there wasn't as much humor. There also wasn't a whole lot of emotion to grab onto. I mean, we've got like the heights of, you know, my family like murdered and revenge and all that stuff. But if I'm not invested in the character of Jim, if I don't know them as a person yeah. or care about them as a person, I. I can't, I can't invest in it, particularly when I'm so invested in this other thing going on over here. Yeah, it's very uh, easy to like celebrate the inclusion of Jim, this non-binary mm. character as well, and that's great. And like an, a, a one of like three queer romances on the show as well, something mm. like that. Like, there's a lot of that going on, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, the the whole revenge stuff with Jim never really. I know, never really compelled me. Never sort of got no. to a place. Jim disappears for periods of time as well, isn't always there. In fact, characters in general, for the ensemble cast, sometimes characters just don't show up for a couple of episodes. Mm. And you and I think the show knows that it's the Steed and Blackbeard show for the most part, once Blackbeard arrives properly in episode three. Um it's it's not bad, I guess, but I'm glad it's not the main focus of the show because then I'd be saying this was just a whatever show, I think. Um, and I'm trying to think of any other characters. Like, did you find any of the, the crew of the Revenge just compelling as characters or standouts? I, can't, I guess no. Lucius yeah, was there's, to there's, a degree. There's definitely Lucius, um, but that's because he's able to be... Um, a part, involved. Yeah, yeah, involved and have like a perspective and something to say um, that isn't. I think I really struggled. It seems silly because like there's a lot of broad humour here, yeah. right? Um, but for a lot of, I think, the ensemble cast, that broad humour didn't really land for me. We've got just silly things um, like, I don't know, the Swedes – accent i was just like oh sure. god um yeah things like things like that i was like mm, that's i mean i get why that might be funny um but i don't really care that much it's not really hitting for me it's funny in a weird way and i, I agree with everything you're saying no no one stood out necessarily in the ensemble, I, I would say I did like the character of Izzy Hands a lot. I liked that sort of confl- – that's uh, Blackbeard's um, right-hand man. Oh, okay. Um, I did him- find it a bit repetitive after a while, but I – yeah. I thought important, though, to have that oh, yes. somebody around who was always like, what the fuck has happened to you? And wanting sort of that – the the tenacious and brutal Blackbeard back. Mm-hmm. Um, was really, really important to have that character, as repetitive as it might have been. Um, we needed that as well. And we need the villains of, like, the British Empire and mm-hmm. the, the stuff that happens with Steed in the first couple of episodes. And Will Arnett. the guy. Beautiful. And Calico Jack was really only there for one episode. But I know, but I really enjoyed it. Too. Yeah, yeah <laughs> really it was great. It. it was really good. Yeah. And he was totally up for the the what needed to be done there as well. Mm-hmm. It was just interesting you talking about that. I'm thinking of the humour in the show, and like I said, I don't necessarily find it... Laugh out loud, hilarious, all that often. No, it's but like it I, I give a gentle giggle to the the silliness of the dialogue and the circumstances they are placed in, things like that. I want you to correct me on this because you're going to okay. know this better than me. Oh, probably not. 
uh, you will. Is it? It's not revolutionary, but maybe it was refreshing or different. I feel like in a show that has a queer romance, right? I don't think I've ever seen a show that embraces it so much that's also very broad in its comedy. It's not like mm. gross. It's not hypersexual. It's not like violent or anything like that. It's not. It's not like another risque thing among risque things. It is the heart and soul of the show that is realistically, if you think about it, very approachable to a wide audience, almost family friendly. In a way that I don't think I've seen before. It just occurred to me as we're discussing it. I don't know. um... Yeah, I think that's the thing is like usually when there is like a queer relationship on screen, um, particularly in television, it's kind of um, the focus of it is its gay identity, I suppose, which is important. But also I think, you know, this is an instance where we're moving away from something being a quote-unquote gay show into this is a broad comedy about pirates. Um, It's also a broad romantic comedy about pirates and the romance is queer and that's important, but um, it's allowing itself to be more than just one thing, which um, surprisingly in 2022 still is kind of rare. I'm sure there are circumstances where it does – exist i can't think of any on the top of my head i though you know surprisingly i haven't watched all of television um certainly not all queer tv i can't think of one maybe it'll come to me later but no right now i can't what to me maybe well hmm, i was thinking of like sitcoms or something like that that include clear queer relationships and often a they feel tokenistic they feel like mm-hmm. this is the one gay relationship in the show, or these are the this is the one gay main character that can have maybe multiple gay relationships, but they're the only one. I'm sort of thinking of like Willow, for instance, in Buffy, which is not a sitcom, mm. but like Willow was our gay main character. She had multiple gay relationships ultimately by the show's end, but it was Willow. It was the Willow show when it came to that stuff, right? Yeah, I'm thinking the- of like in terms of comedies, like we've got Modern Family, but they had to like make a show, I know, well into their run of like We've never seen those two guys kiss. So, like, let's have the episode where they have their totally. first kiss. It's the most yeah. chaste thing in the world. We've also got Superstore where one of the ensemble cast is a gay man. Um, but there isn't – it does still feel tokenistic, not in terms of him being gay, but in terms of his relationships. Like, it's not part of – the people he's involved with generally aren't a part of the ensemble as well. Yeah. So, to have two people in a broad comedy ensemble – well, more than two, actually, be queer and then develop feelings for each other. Um, as far as I can think of, is hasn't been done. But I could be wrong. Probably Modern Family is the best version I can think mm. of. But it's not an evolving ro- ro- romance. They no. are already together when we meet those two characters in, in Modern Family. Then I was thinking of, like, Will and Grace. Mm-hmm. But, like, that was specifically and deliberately risque as well. And, like, it... It was always innuendo. No, no, sorry. It it knew it was, like it was outrightly gay, but also half the jokes were innuendo. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like it wasn't a it wasn't a show that was broad. If that makes sense. Yeah. I don't the think- show was about them being gay. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. That, that is what you know where a lot of the humor was, for which like you know I enjoyed it. I also enjoy a rewatch of Will and Grace Absolutely. because of that fact. Um, but it's. It speaks to one idea of queerness and not necessarily just yeah. like an organic, romantic um, yeah. nature. Yeah. 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 I know. I think that that's, again, part of the magic trick of it mm. is it's, it just seems so matter of fact, so natural. It's not the only queer relationship. The fact that it's a queer relationship is not the point. It's just a, a part of it. Yeah. The fact is that these two people fall in love because they have so much to offer each other mm. and you are fucking invested in it by the show's end. <laughs> yes. And as I said, where the fuck is season two, HBO Max? <sighs> Jesus. Please, 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 please. Any last words? Final thoughts. That's why you always leave a note. Do you have any side notes to mask? Um, I, I've just got a couple, just as I was mm-hmm. quickly skimming through the season this morning. Um it still makes me laugh the commitment of the actors showing horror as Jim's nose gets removed and they believe 
mm-hmm. it's being ripped from his face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's, that just makes me laugh. Um, yes, and we've spoken about it before, but the scene when they – well, just one, the idea that Steed, um, when they're trying to buy oranges, instead buys a pirate map or treasure map, I should say, yes. um, to help – Blackbeard, you know, have fun and want to stay on the ship and all that stuff. That whole, ep- like, that section of that episode is really good. Unfortunately, it's kind of interlaced with uh, the gym stuff, gym which stuff, yeah. wasn't really working for me. Um, but, yeah, the, the conversation they have about Blackbeard opening a restaurant and <laughs> they, they really kind of role play that, that's just... That's a perfect example of the the sense of humour um, in the show as well as how they develop that cute, cute relationship. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, they were just my, my only notes there. Oh, actually, also, the way that Steed walks through the, the Republic of Pirates or whatever, yelling man for sale, just <laughs> amused me. <laughs> I, I think my, I only had the one side note, which is mm. very unusual for me, and it was just the line, it's all right, mate, he's up in doggy heaven. And then the reply is, yeah, but we go to different heavens. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's a very fucking good point. <laughs> I can see why that's not mm. such so comforting as people also, think Also, I is. don't believe that at all. If heaven doesn't have dogs, is it heaven? Exactly right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's a terrible lie we tell children. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's really traumatizing if you think about it. Highlights and low light. What was your low light of the season, Damask? Oh, once again, I've kind of... Oh, I've got to say, just some of... The, the choices and perhaps even performances of the ensemble. Sure. Um, I one like the sweet accent was just stupid. It annoyed me. <laughs> I was like, sure. "This isn't funny." And also, like, you can't do it better than the Swedish chef. So, like, why try? You know what I mean? <laughs> um, so that gurdy, annoyed me. Gurdy, also, gurdy, gurdy meatballs. <laughs> the guy <laughs> that made me laugh. Um, the guy who plays Hodor, I don't think it was particularly good. There's a couple of lines I, of his. I, I'm like, oh. I would argue just underused. Maybe this That's is true. why Maybe he, Hodor. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe um, next season when we get it, um, we'll be able to dive more into the ensemble. Um, so yeah, just a couple of some of the ensemble stuff. I was like, can we just fast forward through this because I don't want it. Um, just while we're talking about the ensemble a little bit, a character that grew on me as the show went on was Black Pete a little bit, who was sort of like the one who wanted to. Start the um, the oh, he started off so annoying. I was like, oh, can we throw this guy off board? But yeah, totally. And then, and then as the show went on, like, became a lot more endearing, was Mm. a lot more game for what was happening on the revenge. And then there was a sort of a a thing happening between him and Lucius as well, which was cute. It was like, seemed like it started as like a friends with benefits, and then he developed feelings, which was yeah. quite cute. But in like, yeah, just like tiny little moments that weren't yeah, overdone. not quite background, but may as well have been background yeah. sort of stuff. It was so inconsequential, but it was like, oh, now this, this character's, you know, endearing and not annoying, which is mm-hmm. good. My low light, it was a performance thing as well, and I feel mean saying it almost. Mm, is it Jim? No, it wasn't Jim. Oh, I also felt that way about Jim. Sure. Yeah, maybe that's part of, maybe it was part of why those things didn't work. Just performance-wise, they weren't nearly, nearly, as, endearing, nearly as endearing as what Tyka and Reese Darby were doing. Um, for me, it was the actress that played Mary, uh, Steed's wife. I'm not a fan. And Angela I, didn't like her either. I didn't mind her, particularly in that final episode where we spend more time with her. I quite enjoyed it. But I... It, yeah. it was better. Yeah. But I feel like I'm picking on this person because... I, partly, I want to put it out there, it might be that I just have an adverse reaction to an Australian accent sometimes. <laughs> it's possibly it's that. Valid. Sometimes I feel that way when I watch Australian movies. I'm like, oh, this feels low budge or it feels like it's mm. lesser than for some reason. And maybe I just watch things that don't have British and American accents and get turned off for some reason. Mm. Possibly that's it. And but she does m- have a very Australian, prominent Australian accent. Not just accent. It's pronunciation. It's like... Emphasis. And tone. And tone. It's mm. it's like I I'm gonna do an impression. And I don't mean this to be <laughs> to Ooh. be like insulting. But to me, no, it's what it kind of like, like negative impression isn't insulting? <laughs> good point. Um to me it was like she would say it's like oh, I was I was doing it before. It was something like along the lines of like since Steve died, I can finally do my art. And I don't know, it was something it sounded so like like 
That's a really good impression. But can I say, do even you know just I mean? like, doing it- that made me laugh. I think just <laughs> be- because cause I, en- I enjoyed her. Like I, and I enjoyed the tone and the um, intonations and all that stuff. She really does sound to me like a like an Australian female comedian. Like she's got that yes. very kind yes. of dry, going, yeah, kind of down voice, um, which I find very funny. <laughs> like I just, I just naturally do. Um, but I see what you're saying. But I enjoyed yeah. kind of the absurdity of that way of speaking with a character in that time period. I suppose. I know uh, it, it spoke a- to me. That's the funny thing because the accents, like, there is people from all over the globe in this show. New Zealand accents, Australian accents, American accents, English accents. It doesn't matter, right? Mm. And the show never pretends that anybody is of any particular nationality. They just go with their natural accents. It's fine. And that's mm-hmm. except for the Swede. And that's fine. And that's why I wonder whether it's just the Australian accent so jarring. I don't know. I didn't like it. I, I think this actress is also, um, she's in that show Killing It or something like that that's on... Another thing at the moment. Um, yeah, that is just how she speaks. And I personally enjoy it. But yeah. I, it's I definitely a it's, tasting. It's, it's like a style that she's doing and you either like it or you don't. Yeah. I'm convinced if if she had a New Zealand accent, I wouldn't care. Mm. And it's my own stupid biases, whatever that is. <laughs> highlight. What was the highlight for you, Damask? I mean, of course, it's just simply the love that develops. Um, that moment where they're talking on the beach and Ed's saying, you know, who just wants to be happy and the thing that makes him happy is Steed. It was so cute. Oh, my God. The joy in Ed's face, like this cute kind of an innocent look. It was just very sweet. The, yeah, just the entire relationship that develops has got to be my high. I, for the, I basically agree with that. I particularly wanted to point out the bit at the end of episode eight um, mm-hmm. when the the British Navy capture the Revenge and A, the chain starts playing um, mm-hmm. by Fleetwood Mac, which is a wonderful song. I love that song every time I hear it. And then the bit where you've got Edward and Steed both hands tied behind their back, face down the ship. And as the camera is, is sort of craning away from the the ship and mm. you if you weren't paying attention you might miss it edward just sort of reaches out his leg towards steeds mm. and like t- his boot touches steeds is like fuck me that's so <laughs> fucking cute <laughs> like um so cute. and you real you realize then that this fucking this is actually gonna do this mm-hmm. and uh and then it just proceeds to to build on that and go the whole way over the next two episodes. I think that's my favourite moment. It was wonderful. Predictions, hopes and concerns. Do you have any thoughts on a potential praying for season two? Um, well, season two is going to happen. I think that's mentality that's we good have prediction. to have. Good prediction. Um, thank you so much. Look, obviously it's going to have to be um, the love of Steed pulling back Blackbeard from, you know, the depths of his heartbreak, depression and violent anger. Um, mm. That's the path we're going to go on. I don't know what it's going to look like, um, but that's, I assume, where season two would go because we need we need to have hope like these characters learn to have. We, ne- we need that hope that um, Blackbeard will come back from where he's gone. But, yeah, in terms of how, I don't know. Yeah, it does seem obvious that that's where the show has to go. They're going to cross paths again one way or the other. Other um, Steed's whole thing will be to, I guess, maybe he, for the sake of the crew, will say they're going to get the revenge back. For him, it's going to be more importantly to get Blackbeard back. There's going I like to be the idea of- that he's like, I am in like this big speech. I am in love with this man. We're going to get him, and they all cheer and get gay married together. That that'd be great. Although they did just kill one of the crewmates and, <laughs> true. and yeah, strand look, them on island. It'd be a bit island. of emotional whiplash. I won't less. deny it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, there yeah. will be. They will find each other. There will be hesitancy. There will be ultimately be a fight for Blackbeard's soul. Um, you wonder what the cost for Steed could be to try and mm. like save Blackbeard. If that makes sense. Yes, it um, might be a. a- because we saw the transformation of Blackbeard in terms of going from this depressed guy into a cute little loved up puppy dog, this might be the experience of Steve to like really kind of become more of a pirate in mm-hmm. the, the, um, the, not the basic way, but you know what I mean? 
In the broader sense. In the broader in the, sense, in the, yeah. In the, in, the, in the more traditional sense, traditional, maybe. Traditional, yes, that's the word. Um, yeah, possibly. If this was a movie, right, as I said, this would be the end of the second act and we'd mm-hmm. have like 15 to 20 minutes left of just them... Steed finding Blackbeard before he's about to do something horrible and then pulling him back from the brink and then they have a kiss and they get married, right? Mm-hmm. That's where we'd be. But that can't be a... I mean, can that be a whole season of television? Is there just a movie to finish this off? Like, that's the other thing I wonder is, let's say that's what season two is. Mm. Can you have a season three? Is there a season of them no, just... I was just thinking as you were talking, like, being it feels like the a two-season yeah, series, so well. which is fine. I do worry, I suppose... Um, if with season two, if there is a long period of separation between the two, which is like yeah. such a great dynamic to have on screen. However, it, it does be. give yeah, it does give them the opportunity to kind of delve more into that ensemble, which we've had issues with, um, and kind of give them all the the material um, so that we can. Yeah, find out who they are, have some investment there, have some giggles with them, which I think we're lacking, things like that. I would see. I would say it, it can't be very long at all. Yeah, I it might be the, the sh- same as this season, where it's like what the first three episodes, and then they're finally together. Th- episode three, Blackbeard's on the ship, basically. Yeah, yeah. it um, might be that. I, I, I think it would have to be. It reminds me of my prediction. Spoilers for the Mandalorian. We're basically episodes over. If you don't want spoilers for the Mandalorian and the Book of Boba Fett, then turn off now. I we said the end of Mandalorian season two that we made predictions about how long until until Grogu met back Mm. up with the Mandalorian. I said two episodes because that's the heart and soul of that show and Mm -hmm. Steed and Edward is the heart and soul of this show and you cannot keep them apart for too long. That's true. Or else you just risk making an inferior show. Like Mm -hmm. when it's... You you are betraying what makes the show the show, basically. Mm -hmm. So I don't think it'll be very long at all. Yeah. But I agree. I think it might only be two seasons. Um, Also... If uh, history is a spoiler, and they they have deviated well off the path of the real Steve Bonnet now, he uh, he died about two years after becoming a pirate, uh, was hanged mm. for crimes of piracy. So you know this could be all over very abruptly. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, yeah, that would be five episodes in. Steve gets hanged. <laughs> have to deal with the emotional ramifications of that. Um, yeah, I I would hope that the. The show doesn't end with the hanging of Steed, but instead that, you know, it's a bit of a ploy in him and Blackbeard ride off into the sunset together to, to China well, to find that happy ending they're looking for. He, he has faked his death now, so I think we can yes. assume that like we can move oh on. Oh, my God. That was... I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed that. Too. I really I enjoyed the absurdity of, of all of this. So stupid to... um. What was it? He uh, first gets chased by that... The leopard. The leopard into the building. Yeah. Um, then he, <laughs> gets he comes out. crushed by the what? piano? No, I think it's the carriage first. He gets hit mm. by a carriage. Is that right? I thought the, I thought the carriage was last because the carriage was his escape. Oh, yes, that's uh, it. But then how does he get hit by the piano? The piano falls on him because the people are like lifting it. They were told they were paid to lift it halfway. They did <laughs> not to do the rest of it. They just had to hold it up. Anyway, well, that, that sequence good. of events as yeah. everyone is gathered to watch is just pure comedy gold. Yeah, it was excellent. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Hunting Seasons. You can find more of what we do via our website, huntingseasonspodcast.com. Our logo comes from Sean Kirkpatrick, aka at Shawnee Boy Draws. Our theme song and bumpers from Lucas Heil of Birthday Loyalty Club. Find links to their work in our show notes. You can also find myself, Broderick Gordes, on Twitter at bgordes, B-G-O-R-D-E-S. Damask, you're still offline. I'm still offline, but yeah, if you have any questions, either ask Broad or send it to the Hunting Seasons Twitter. Which or is email. at Hunting S Cast or yep. uh, contact at huntingseasonspodcast.com. Good reminder. Next episode, we'll be back to discuss Russian Doll Season 2. Mm. I might also say there mm. is a possibility, and I don't know exactly how or when this would occur, but I'm, okay. I've am i got about three episodes left of Severance to go. And I don't mm-hmm. think we're going to have time to talk about Severance in a timely manner. But I've got a few other people who are lined up who want to. So maybe there'll be a bonus episode with myself and some uh, Mm, guests potentially to talk about Severance Season 1 because, fuck, that's a good show and I want (laughs) to talk about it. In the meantime, thank you again for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye for now. Bye. Good night, everybody. Absolutely. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.